You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I don't know how this is going to go, but, um, man, I'm tired. Stayed up a little late with the kids, and I got my little little Fitbit dealie here, which tracks how much sleep I got, and I was in pain this morning, taking pain medicine and everything else, and I see that I got about five, a little over five hours of sleep last night, and I'm just mad about that. <laughs> And look, I know, it's like, yeah, I got five hours the other day, too. Yeah, but you got to understand, I regularly get six. So I'm, I'm a little under every day of my life, and it adds up. And then when you get five, oh. So I know that's not your problem, and you don't care. But I'm just telling you, just be prepared for how this is going to go. Because bad mood, meh, doesn't quite cover it. So I'm going to do my best to talk only about super positive stuff because it's going to be hard to get mad about super positive stuff. And I am going to slam this coffee like you cannot believe. Can you snort coffee? I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing, but I might I might have to give that a shot. So there's still a lot of questions coming in and there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about and a lot of things I want to cover and going over other positions and things. But a few things I wanted to talk about first. And we'll see where this leads us. This might be the whole show. I don't know. But there were uh, a few comments made by Brian Gutekunst, and I um, don't want to get into specifics because that will come later. But basically, he led me to believe there are some free agent moves that will be coming. I mean, the way that he said it, it's it's happening. It's not a matter of, we'll see, maybe, you know, there's... It's just, he basically laid it out that was like, well, that was phase one, that's done. We wanted to get, well, again, no specifics, but we got that, and now we're heading into phase two, and we're hoping to... Take care of some other stuff. This was said just recently, so the whole thing that I've been saying, and who knows, maybe everything he said was a throwaway line, but it just sounded very definitive that they at least intend, again, supermarket thing, they intend to go out and get more. So I wanted to look at the free agents and see where we're at, because I backed off it, because I'm like, I think we're done. I think we're, we're kind of capped out a little bit. But uh, again, got the impression we're not. I will reference what he said, and then we'll uh, talk about some options. First of all, uh, again, with the iTunes review, if you've got a minute, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave me an iTunes review. Five star, please. Thank you very much. If you don't like the show, feel free to call in. As you have noticed, when people call in or text in and say, I don't like your show, I just put it on the show, because it's just what I do. So we'll talk about it. There might come a time when a complaint doesn't make it on the show, but I'm just saying, not afraid to address that. And again, um, if you are interested in a Pro Football Focus subscription... Just send me a screenshot of it or some kind of a proof that you left me a five-star review. I will add you to my list. And once we cross the 200... Did I say 200? I think it's 200. 
whatever. It's 200 is the number. If I changed it, I changed it. When we cross the 200 threshold, and I'm hoping to do it before the draft, because then you get... I mean, it's still going to be good, because once the draft is over, you can reference the 2019 draft portfolio with all the grades and all the advanced stats for the guys that we got. If you want to look at some of the guys, the Bears, Lions, whoever got, you can use that as well. So it's still going to be a good reference either way, but it would be cool if we can blast up to 200. We got an early dance party, folks. Oh, DJ Galaxy is just after it today. He got lots of sleep. He always gets sleep. He's such a bum. He's my third co-host. So, <laughs> I don't know if you knew, this is a three-man job. There's me, there's my phone, and then there's myself. But anyways, iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. Um, like I said, we, we the last time we did this charge, um, the, 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 the views did go up quite a bit, and it was noticeable, and I'm really excited, and I really still want the... the um, I want the show to grow. You know, I, I, I don't know what the top end of this show is. I really don't. I'm happy with what the show is. I'm of the personal opinion that the reason certain shows are a lot bigger than mine is because a lot of people don't know about mine yet. So by giving them the opportunity to find the show, I think this show could be a lot bigger. Again, I don't know that you care, but it would be an awesome way to repay me for the daily content that I provide if you, if you like the show. If, you know, I know a lot of you already support me financially, and I really, really appreciate that, and I'm we can just say I'm not talking to you. But if, if you're out there and you're trying to find a way to support the show for all the work that I put in, I think this would be a really, really awesome way and a, and a, a relatively simple way to just jump on iTunes. And again, if you can't, Stitcher is there. Get on your desktop, head over to Stitcher, Packernet Podcast, bottom right corner. And again, just show me that you made the review, and I'll add you to the list. And once we cross that 200 review mark... Uh, one of you will be getting a Pro Football Focus uh, subscription. And by the way, um, I'm very sorry to say dibs doesn't count. Thank you, Sam, for trying. But we're not doing <laughs> we're not doing dibs. Whatever. Let let's get this started here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so what I'm referencing when I'm talking about these things, obviously they had the coaches meeting thing, and so you're going to get some pretty good content, right? Uh, there's a lot of speculation that goes on, and then you hear coaches talking, and it's kind of nice because I fill in gaps, and it, it just... It's hard to explain, but it doesn't feel good because I'm just kind of guessing. I'm guessing based on guesses and rumors, and you just try to stitch together this stuff, and it's it's like, I don't know, like trying to build a castle with really wet sand. You know, you try to form it, and it just keeps, like, sinking and falling. It just There's nothing really hard to sink your teeth into. And then you hear a coach talk, and it's just like, oh, yeah, this is how it is. And it's like, oh, all right. Granted, a lot of them lie, but it's just it's nice to be able to just hear them say it, especially Gutekunst. And it, it makes me realize how much I wish I could just talk to him. Because I, every single day I sit here and I just ask questions and, and assume things. And like, well, maybe this. And what about this? And how about this? And it could be like this. It's like, man, this guy actually knows all this stuff. Because he's the one doing it. That's crazy. I sometimes wonder if I had the opportunity to give up the podcast. Would I? But, you know, I could sit in the boardroom. I could see the big board and all that stuff. But I got to give up the podcast. Would I do it? I don't think I would. But, man, I would just love that. Like, just call them up and be like, so what's a board look like? And they just snap a picture of it or send me an Excel spreadsheet so I can play with it. And it's like, this is the best day of my life. I don't know. That's my ultimate goal, by the way. i got to figure out how to do that. Obviously not going to be able to live stream or talk about it. I'm going to have to write some, sign some kind of 
disclosure form, but I want to be in the boardroom during a draft one day. Or whatever that room is. The war room, not the boardroom. just want to sit there. I want to sit in the corner of the room quietly. I won't talk to anybody. I won't make eye contact. No laptop, no phone. You can give me an uncomfortable... It doesn't even have to have a back on it. Give me a bar stool in the corner of the, the room. I'll try not to lean on the wall just to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. I'll raise my hand and ask to go to the bathroom. I just want to be in there. I just want to see the board. I want to hear the phone calls. I just, I, I can't think of anything that would be better than that. Maybe that's sad. I don't know. I don't think it's sad, though. I think it's awesome. Anyways, <laughs> there was an interview with him, and he said a lot of cool stuff. If I didn't say it yet, it's the PFT podcast, so go check it out. But two things stood out, one of which um, was pointed out to me, I think, by Jeff. And by the way, Jeff and I sat down yesterday. We got the second bonus episode uh, done with. Had a lot of fun. It's going to be an hour-long uh, mock draft where Jeff got to sit down in the uh, the GM chair. So I'll get that up, hopefully today, if not tomorrow. But he kind of corrected me on this, but I want to talk about it first anyway. He was asked the question about about the draft, and, and he made a comment that was essentially he wished that the draft was happening right after the college football season. In other words, let's cut out the rest of this stuff. And it, it's So basically what Jeff's line was, so they're drafting guys with super high spark scores on accident or relative athletic scores, whatever, same difference more or less. In other words, he's saying they're lying because they seem to be drafting people based pretty heavily on what they do between the college football season and the draft, i.e. the combine, which I have said I don't like. But I I like what Gutekunst had to say, and I kind of hope there's some truth to it. He also kind of said with some kind of bravado that the the thing he doesn't like about it is he, he likes his process, he likes his staff, he trusts his staff to do their homework in the fall, get the scouting done. And he said part of the problem with having it so long until the draft is that you allow other teams to catch up, other teams that maybe aren't seeing the same kind of... And I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I like the draft being where it is because it kind of cuts the season in half. But at the same time, you have lesser teams kind of catching up. And, I mean, they're learning the same way we're learning, right? I mean, we, we slowly learn the process so that when the draft comes, it's kind of it almost feels like now everybody kind of knows. Everybody knows what the boards look like. Everybody knows who the team's like. Everybody knows all these different things. But I did find that to be an interesting comment, and specifically my first thought was, if that's true, and I understand off-the-field kind of issues are separate, and also, now that we do have time in between, you can't necessarily ignore it, but my first thought was, okay, if we're just looking at tape and we forget everything about the offseason, what, what changes? The biggest change is that Ja'Kai Polite is going off the board pretty quick. And really, again, I, I understand you know the, the pro day was not good, the combine was terrible, and the interviews were bad. But but for me, it's it's not even about... I don't care about the combine as much. It's just a matter of the interviews. And as I've said, this is my opinion. I don't think hardly anyone agrees. I don't even think teams agree. But in my opinion, they're either on your board or they're off your board. Otherwise, you rank them based on how much they can help your team. If Ja'Kai Polite is on your board and he's a good value pick at 12, take him at 12. If he's going to be disruptive to your locker room and you don't want him in your locker room, don't take him at 44. Don't draft him. I just, I don't understand that philosophy. I don't think he's going to be a good fit. I think he could be toxic. So if he's there in the third round, we'll take him. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you said he's going to be toxic to the locker room and we shouldn't draft him. Why are we taking him later? Does that fix his attitude problem? And if it's not a problem and he's okay in the locker room, why are we letting him fall? Just take him. 
Well, we let him fall because everyone else will let him fall. Okay, but why? Why is everybody letting him fall into the second round, third round, if he's that good? If we're just looking at tape, like Gutekunst said, we're watching him on tape, we know what he can do on the football field. Why do we care about anything else? And again, the, the reason I say that I don't care as much about the combine is because what happened is he's a really small guy. He tried to bulk up to prove that he can do it at a higher weight. He cannot. He was terrible in the combine. Um, and, and supposedly the injury now that he has sustained is largely because he's continuing to try to be big and do all this extra stuff. And it's just, it's not working. He shouldn't have done it. He should have just stayed lean and said, look, I'm a smaller guy, but you know what I can do on tape. You do what you got to do with that information and just tore it up. Now, I, I, maybe he still would have had a relatively bad combine, but I think it was a bad decision. And I think it hurt him in the end. Now, on the flip side of that, Brian Burns showed up at like 250 pounds, still tore it up. So that was best case scenario. Maybe Jakai thought he could do something similar. But I'm looking at it and just saying, okay, didn't go well. But do we think he's going to be a problem in the locker room? And again, I, I don't want to rehash this whole thing, but it just kind of it, it kind of kick-started the gears again. Like, wait a minute, I can't assume that they agree. And if they don't agree that he's a, a problem in the locker room and that his bad interview was going to be an issue, and if they do do what Gutekun said, which is we're more focused on the tape and what they did in college... I feel like Jakai should be a first-round pick. May, okay, not 12, then how about 30? If he's there at 30, do we want to take him? Just kind of made me wonder. And then I was about to do a deep dive into, like, oh, who are the guys that are, like, real good on tape, but maybe not. And then that's when Jeff hit me with the, oh, so I guess this is just a coincidence that they're all high spark, spark score guys, right? And then it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's probably full of it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's an interesting thing. And also, wait, listen, Gutekunst has only drafted one year. It's entirely possible that because he didn't have a full year to have his own staff and to implement his own system and to do all these different things, maybe he did lean a little bit more on Ted and, and Ted's old philosophy and his old system. But I'm, I want to see what he does. I'm curious to see, you know, if he does start to lean on that a little more, rely on that a little more. Um, he's got some newer staff added to, added to the squad. Again, he got to hire a whole new staff, implement his own system a full year. So we'll see. We'll see if it, and I, I really hope that it changes because, again, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the high spark score stuff. I mean, it's cool when you see that in an athlete, but I'm, I'm just tired of the idea that that's, I mean, that, listen, Al Davis did that for years and years, and he was the laughing stock of the NFL. Like, if, if you were, if you ran a 4-3 anything, the Raiders, Al Davis were going to take you in the first round. Even if you were a third-round guy, he was going to take you in the first round because he just wanted, like, the fastest, the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the this, the that, the, you know, all the superlatives. And they were a joke because he didn't draft football players. He drafted athletes. And I don't want the Packers to draft athletes just because they're athletes. Well, the NFL is getting faster. we got to get faster. Okay, but can they play football at least? And I'm not trashing the guys that we have. There's some of them maybe, you know, can be great but especially in the early rounds, don't draft them based on spark score. Get the freaks when you got an opportunity to get the freaks. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting. And I got to be honest, if it's all a bunch of high spark score guys, I just I don't have confidence in that philosophy. I don't have confidence in that system overall. I think you're 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 reaching on on um on talent because it's it's very unlikely that the best talent on the board at that point is going to be the guy with the high spark score in other words they're passing up three four five six seven guys who are better football players because joe schmo from jersey state has an ras of 9.6 he's a freak man like jason spriggs is a freak man we gotta trade up and get this guy 
Okay. Whatever. I didn't intend to go down this road, but I'm just saying. I find that interesting. And, you know, again, the the bigger point here is we kind of, as we're going along, it's like I I feel like, oh, I figured this out. I figured this out. And then you kind of step back and go, what if all these assumptions we built up are not true? And it just kind of blows my mind. Like, oh, that's right. I don't know that we're not drafting Ja'Kai Polite. I don't know that we're not getting Brian Burns. I don't know that we're not getting Josh Allen. I don't know that we're not trading up. For all I know, we're getting Quinnen. I don't know a single thing. And that kind of, I don't know, gets me excited a little bit. As much as I like to solve puddles and riddles and stuff and be like, ooh, let's see if I can narrow this down. I think they're getting this guy and that guy. That's when things get boring, right? Okay, we're going to get a linebacker and a slot guy and a tight end, and then we're going to go on and get a blah, 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 blah. You can only say that so many times, and it's like, all right, I guess we got to stop talking about the draft because I'm just bored with myself. But legitimately, we have no idea. So how about this? The Packernet Pack Daddy assignment of the day, for those that are interested. Let's take Brian Gutekunst's words at face value. And let's say that this year we're not focused so much on spark score, we're focused on film. Who are the guys, forget the combine, forget anything that you've learned since the end of the college football season. Who are the guys, just based on tape, that you think are studs that you think the Packers would like? Maybe that doesn't change much for you because you just focus on film anyways. But there you go. Because again, Ja'Kai Polite came immediately to mind to me. Jeffrey Simmons would be another one, by the way. Although that's a little bit different because, again, you, you can't not pay attention to punching a woman in the face and also out for the season. Likely out for the season. Speaking of, I just want to touch on a couple other little draft things. Um, number one, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver absolutely tore it up. Here's the thing, though. Remember to keep this in mind. We knew that going into his pro day. So you can't kind of double count that, right? Maybe we didn't know exactly how, how gifted he was, but I remember literally almost a year ago, like the day after the draft, you start turning around and saying, okay, who's going to be the top guys? Ed Oliver was the one. Ed Oliver was going to be the number one overall pick. Ed Oliver was an absolute freak. And videos of him being unbelievably athletic at his, at his size, basically running linebacker drills and everything else, those videos were everywhere. So maybe some people are kind of shocked by that and see that and go, oh, wow, this, is, this guy's amazing. The NFL community already knew this. So it's, it's maybe confirmation, but I don't think it really shoots him up the boards at all. This is just sort of the Ed Oliver that everybody's expected. Now, maybe he does go back up a little bit because, again, there was a time he was number one guy. He was going to be the top guy taken or at least, you know, top two-ish. You know, it, it was it was maybe for a while, Bosa, then Oliver, and then everybody else, like Cleland was number three. So the fact that he's fallen down to, you know, five, six, seven, whatever he is on certain boards, maybe he launches himself back up into the top five. But um, I, I think he's, he's kind of what everybody knew. Super athletic, but some people are worried about his size, right? He's going to be versatile. You can do a lot of stuff with him. You can, you can definitely line him up on the edge if you so chose. You could probably drop him into coverage, which is something that, you know, that happens on occasion. You see linemen kind of drop back to kind of mix stuff up, mess up quarterbacks, confuse him a little bit. I'm sure he can handle that. Not super great, but he can do it. And of course, his, his ability to run and chase as well as penetrate potentially could be second to none, right? His get off and his agility and his balance and all these things, he, he tested just incredibly. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, just, just remember that this is kind of what he is, what we thought he was, basically. So it doesn't necessarily move the needle for me either way. It, it, it's one of those things that kind of reinvigorates my excitement for him, maybe, to where I kind of maybe move him up a little bit. But, I mean, this he's still the same guy, right? The other thing I wanted to mention was the Josh Rosen situation. Now, I, I, 
I think it is the dumbest thing in the history of the world that the Arizona Cardinals want to move him. Now, I, I can change my tune a little bit if they end up getting a first-round pick for him, which I don't think is impossible. I think that, and look, I, I don't want to unravel this too much, but I've said if he's a third round, if he's, if he's going for a third round, the Packers need to be in on it. Because you're getting a first-round quarterback, maybe the best quarterback in the entire NFL draft last year in a stacked quarterback class in which there were a ton of first-level guys, first-round guys. He was maybe the best out of all of them. And after one year, he's not worth a third-round pick. What in the world is going on? Now, I'm starting to hear more and more that the offers may be up to a second round, and it could actually creep into a first-round pick, which now we're starting to get into serious talks. Now it's becoming real. No, I don't want to give up a first-round pick. No, I don't want to give up a second-round pick. But just to be clear, first of all, apparently, this is according to the Draft Network, according to a lot of other sources, it is 100% solidified, confirmed. Now, I don't know how seriously to take that, because Sam Darnold was 100% seriously confirmed as the number one pick last year, and obviously that didn't happen. But I, I don't know. It's Supposedly, this is it. Like it's They will be trading Josh Rosen. It's just a matter of how much they can get for him. They will be taking Kyler Murray. This is the way to go. I, I think I think the Cardinals are a disaster. I think they're running their organization horrible. Let, let me tell you exactly what they just did. They went out and got a loan. They spent, I don't know why all my analogies are buying car analogies. They went out and got a loan. 50 grand. Put it down on a brand new truck. Drove it off the lot. Smashed it into a tree. Traded it in to the same car dealership. Took out a second loan and got another car. That's essentially what they're doing at quarterback right now. And look, similar to what I said about Trubisky and how much it was a joke that they went out and paid a a quarterback a ton of money and then traded up one spot, gave away a a huge amount to trade up one spot to get a garbage quarterback. I mean, that was terrible. But what I had said at the time is, look, as, as much as this is silly, if Trubisky is a stud, nobody's gonna care. Now, he isn't, so people care. But if, you know, if Kyler Murray's awesome, great. But here's the problem. Josh Rosen was a better prospect coming out of college than Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray was in the draft class last year, he wouldn't have gone number one overall. I mean, we do remember this, right? Last year was the really good quarterback class. This year is kind of the there's not a lot of good prospects class. Kyler Murray, with his height, only playing one year of college at quarterback? I think that's the case. I don't exactly, I'm pretty sure no chance on the planet he's above Baker Mayfield, he's above Sam Darnold, he's above Josh Rosen, he's above uh, Josh Allen. No, he won't be. He probably would have been the fifth quarterback going before Lamar uh, Jackson went. And now the Arizona Cardinals are going to give away at a lower value Josh Rosen and take Kyler Murray. Now, I, if they end up getting a first, and, and by the way, watch out for the Patriots giving up their first because it's a late first. It's probably an offer that the Cardinals will take in a second, and then they have their quarterback of the future. Now, I, I tend to think that they won't. It, it, it's, it's just, here's the question. Is Bill Belichick wanting to set the Patriots up for the future, or is Bill Belichick saying, when Brady leaves, I'm leaving. Let's just run this thing into the ground. In other words, I'm going to put my foot as hard on the gas as I can, and then me and Brady are just going to jump out of the car when, when we decide to leave. And this thing's just going to run right into a tree. Because I tend to think that that's what he's going to do. To be completely honest, I mean, this is let's stack as many Super Bowls as we can, make sure nobody ever replicates this. I will go down as the greatest coach of all time. Brady will be the greatest quarterback of all time. That'll be the end of that conversation. But I think the smart thing, if you have an opportunity to get a quarterback of the future, 
you got to do it. This is the smart move for the Patriots to make. Or the Steelers, or one of these later round teams. Let me put it this way. If Aaron Rodgers was two years out from being done, if this was if we fast forwarded the clock three years from now and we had a late first round pick, I would take that trade offer in a second. Because this is how we get guys like Aaron Rodgers. This is how we get guys like Brett Favre. There's a lot of talent that's being ignored, that's just being thrown out for garbage value, and it's like you're telling me I can get him for this? A guy that last year ended up falling to what? Pick twelve? No, it was pick 10, and it was a slide. He was never supposed to make it to pick 10. It was a shock. The Cardinals traded up to 10 because there's no way he should have been there, and they're like, we got to go get him. He's still there. I can't believe this. That guy, better than Kyler Murray, better than a lot of the guys that were drafted last year. I'm, I'm standing by that. He went to a garbage football team. You know who David Johnson is? David Johnson is a guy that was, in his one full year, the best running back in the entire NFL, better than Le'Veon Bell. Best all-around running back as a receiver, as a runner. He was trash last year because the team was trash. The offensive line was trash. The defensive coordinator turned head coach was trash. The way that they ran the team, the way that they called the plays, everything about that team was garbage. So in one year, this guy who is a freak coming out of college, a great quarterback of the future, goes to that team, and that's all it takes. If you don't perform well on the literally the worst roster in the NFL, if you don't make it happen there despite showing that you can be a good quarterback in in certain games, like against the Packers, if you can't bring that team to the playoffs, then we don't value you highly anymore. What kind of backwards evaluation process is that? So again, when I was asked, would we take him at a third round value? Of course, because he is an early, he has the abilities of a first overall draft pick. If I was the GM last year and I had the first pick, I would have taken Rosen. Baker was actually my favorite, so when they took him, I felt validated. But it just kind of felt like nobody really likes Baker. Plus, he's got some off-the-field issues, so it felt like Rosen was the safer of the two. But I felt like you just you can't miss with Rosen and Baker. And uh, another hot take, I think if Rosen went to the Browns and Baker went to the Arizona Cardinals, it would be the exact opposite. Rosen would have been somewhat of a stud. Baker would have been trash. I'm not saying Rosen is better than Baker. Baker probably is better. Again, I thought he was better in college. But nobody's going to thrive, especially as a first-year quarterback, in that situation. So in other words, I think the Cardinals are about to do something dumb, and somebody's going to take advantage of them, and I I think the team that typically is smart enough to take advantage of other teams is the Patriots, and I kind of wish we were in a position to do so, but I think we're just too far out from Aaron Rodgers falling off. But it's something to keep in mind because that will change the dynamic of the draft. The fact that the first pick will be a quarterback, which, again dumbest thing ever and i this isn't meant to be a a bad i don't don't have a problem with kyler at all and again if if he goes there and does really well nobody's going to care about but i'm just talking about the value again remember driving the truck smashing into a tree selling it back getting a new loan for a new car the amount that they have paid for kyler murray is staggering and remember we have to add nick bosa to that list that they paid because they're choosing not to get nick bosa so that's another piece of value that is added to this that they're giving up. They're giving up Nick Bosa. They're giving up all the picks that they traded up to get up to pick 10, and they're giving away pick 10. So they're giving up Nick Bosa. They're giving up the 10th overall pick last year. They're giving up all the picks that they had to move up to 10 to get Kyler Murray. You you don't win in the NFL being that dumb. You just don't win. And again, even if Kyler's awesome, with those guys at the helm making those kinds of decisions... Kyler doesn't stand a chance. Anyways, that's, that's not 
super Packers related. It is insofar as understanding how the draft will unfold, but I'm, you know, whatever. I just, I hate that so much. I hate that so much. But I think somebody's going to capitalize. They'll get at least a second. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll get run through the ringer because they're not very smart. And now that they've made their intentions clear, um, the value of Rosen has plummeted. Not because he's actually not worth anything, but because teams know, well, they have to move him, so I'm not going to offer him what they want. Why should I? I'll offer you a second, and if you don't like it, then whatever. So those are my draft thoughts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, getting back to this interview with Brian Gutekunst, the other thing that he had said is that he, he was asked about free agency, and it, kind of unprompted, he kind of said, well, you know, free agency isn't over yet. He said, we kind of just finished phase one, and we went defense heavy, he said, which was basically by design. I don't exactly know what he meant by that, maybe because he knew that those guys would go fast, um, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he made it very clear that they're still working. And again, he hinted at the fact that they focused heavily on going defense and doing it early and kind of going through that first round, but now we're kind of in the second round. So they're still working. So I want to look at some people on offense that maybe could be added because we look at it now and we say, and by the way, it could still be safety and some other uh, people that are out there. You know my thoughts on Barry and adding him to the, the team. But I'm, I'm curious about some of the positions we're looking at. What if we add a tight end? Right, similar to what we did, tight end. Adding a tight end would be the same thing that they did with adding the uh, the pass rushers. To where it's like, well, we know they got to get a tight end at either twelve or forty-four. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion in every mock draft that you see out there now. Even though it's probably pretty unlikely that that's going to be the actual scenario. That's what everybody assumes. But if we get a tight end, then what? Right? <laughs> what do you do at twelve when Burns and uh, Hawkinson and an actual need are sitting there? Like, I feel like we should get Hawkinson, but we just signed this 24-year-old, 26-year-old tight end guy. Should probably get Burns, but we just signed a bunch of pass rushers and stuff. So anyways, I just want to quickly look at some of these prospects to just just kind of get the process started here. So first of all, and it, it's kind of tough because I'm trying to use the similar criteria that we got for a lot of the defensive players, but I think the reason that we had to get them early is because they are that criteria, right? They're young 
and they're ascending. That was the two things that he's been talking about. Those are the two things that he did talk about in that interview on top of being, you know, high character guys, 26-ish years old, right, young guys, and they had their best year in their last year, which makes me nervous, but the Packers are looking at that going, look, they're just, they, they basically just broke out. Like, this was the year, and this is what we can expect to get from them. Not sure I 100% agree, but that's kind of the philosophy. So trying to find those guys now is tough. So, for example, maybe at running back you could look at a guy like C.J. Anderson, but that's really tough. First of all, his name is kind of hot because of what he did in the playoffs, but literally he is not, he didn't even break out last year. It wasn't even until the last, like, five games. It wasn't until the playoffs all of a sudden it was like, wow, this guy looks really good. Now, the other interesting thing about this is that uh, although C.J. Anderson wasn't bad in 2017 for the uh, for the Denver Broncos either. So essentially, this is how this worked. I mean, he's, he's been real hot and cold for a while. It's kind of hard to kind of track. He's all over the place. But he was decent for Denver. Let's just say 2017. I won't go further than that. He went to Carolina and was terrible. And then we saw what he did for the, the Rams during their Super Bowl run. Right? He kind of broke out against Arizona. He had a fantastic game. And he kind of petered off uh, in the last two games. But, you know, I don't know. Overall, as a running back, he did a really good job as a runner. And the, the only reason I find that interesting is because when you look at the L.A. Rams, you assume that it's a similar style of running as to what the Packers are going to be employing in Green Bay, what LaFleur is going to be employing in Green Bay. So maybe, but again, you look at his age, he's 28, which isn't super old, but for a running back, eh. You know, 5'8", 225, I mean, that's obviously what Gutekunst likes. The other, the, There's actually one other thing that I thought was interesting in this. I've talked about how it annoys me how the, the GMs always talk about this is my team and I, I don't worry so much about what the coaches say. I kind of wonder if that's just a posturing thing, like a pride thing. Like, no, I'm not subject to my coaches. I'm the one that pulls the trigger. Because he kind of loosened up on that a little bit. He talked about how how much Mike Pettin's influence was on the guys that we got. He said he had an opportunity to learn what kind of a defense that Mike Pettin wants to employ, and that kind of helped him figure out what pass rushers to get. Which is awesome, because I've been saying, we that should be the way we do things. And it sounds like that is the way we do things, but I don't know. I don't know if it's just a pride thing or what. Anytime you ask a GM, especially, you know, Gutekunst or anybody, it's, it's you know, yeah, you know, we, we kind of maybe, like, spend a day talking to him. But this is, this is how we do the drafting. This is how we do this or that. So all that to say, it's also entirely possible that the you know, 5'8", 225-pound guys, 5'10", 225-pound guys, whatever, that we were getting last year was more of a Mike McCarthy thing than a Lafleur thing, and maybe that'll impact a little differently the kind of guys that we're targeting. I don't know that, but I don't know. I guess I'm just saying maybe I'll cool it with the whole 5'10", 220 joke. Either way, it would be, again, not super great. He's older, doesn't have a super good track record. He's all over the place. Sometimes he's a phenomenal pass blocker. Sometimes he's horrible. Sometimes he's a great runner. Sometimes he's horrible. I think if I had to pick a name right now, it would probably be Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware's 27, which is about as young as you're going to find for a running back outside of Ty Montgomery, if you want to go that route, which I don't think the Packers do. But Spencer Ware uh, initially was a sixth-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks, didn't hardly ever play, went over to Kansas City, and did fine. 5'10", 229, so yeah, he's that guy. He's not elite, he's not a stud, but I could definitely see him being a rotational piece. Did he break out this year? No, if anything, maybe he's sort of declined over the years. Not that there's been, there's only been three years, so it doesn't really fit that criteria, but he hasn't ever been bad in those three years either. 
which by the way, the three years are 2015, 2016, and 2018. 2017, he did not play. So it's, it's not great. I'm not saying I'm on board with Spencer Ware, but he comes from an Andy Reid system, which is a different system, but there shouldn't be too big of a learning curve between you know what Andy Reid's doing and what LaFleur wants to employ. But that's kind of it. And again, I think with the, the depth at running back in this draft class, the ability to get guys later in the draft, I mean, we could trade back in the in the first round just a couple spots and pick up another third or fourth round and, and grab a running back. We, we could grab two, right? Grab one with our original pick, grab one with uh, the, the trade back pick. And the value you can get at running back in the fourth round is, is pretty awesome. So I don't know if there's anybody really there that I like. Wide receiver, unfortunately, is kind of the same thing. There's, there's a lot of big names, but the problem with big names is that you're paying for the name. So not only is free agency a bit of a premium, but name recognition is a premium. I mean, the amount that you'd have to pay for Des Bryant compared to the value that he would give you is just not even, that's bad. I've already said Demarius is a really good wide receiver, um, but you're going to pay just an absolute ton of money for Demarius Thomas. Would I hate it? Probably not. Um, Again, I I think we're looking for a slot guy, but I mean, if we went out and got a guy like Demarius, suddenly we've got a really, really good one and two, and then we've got a bunch of guys on the roster that can play slot might not be their primary position but then again we also have the draft in which we can get a slot guy I don't know what that means for the guys that we drafted uh, last year that is but whatever we're talking about upgrading the team that's a path that we could go and no Demarius isn't young I'm just saying as, as far as guys on this list that are still really good football players Demarius for me is like Justin Houston he's old he's maybe not what he was but he's still going to produce for you and considering what he was able to do in Denver I, I can't help but assume he would be a solid piece for it. No, I don't think we're going to do it. Again, for all the he's, he's 31 years old. But again, not, not a lot of options there. At tight end, somebody to think about is Austin Safarian Jenkins. First of all, Austin is only 26 years old, so he fits that criteria. He was a second-round draft pick by the Buccaneers in 2014. So lots of talent. Six foot five, 262 pounds. Beyond that, last year he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is, was, was coached by our now offensive coordinator. So his offensive coordinator last year was our offensive coordinator, is our offensive coordinator this year. So you got that tie, you've got a talented tight end, you've got a young tight end. Meaning, I know we, we keep getting these free agent, free agent, free agent, but if we really like Safarian Jenkins, and I don't know what the perception is of him, but if he's seen as a top prospect or a a, a solid prospect he's one of those guys similar to everybody else we signed that we can sign to a four-year contract again he's 26 he's still young now he has hasn't really been that promising but we're talking about tampa bay the jets and five games with the jaguars so two and a half years with tampa bay in which he had one good year one and a half years with the jets which nobody's going to be good with the jets and then five games with the jacksonville jaguars so, I, you know, I'm not super on board with it. I'd rather address it in the draft. But if we're looking at offense, I think tight end, I've, I've already talked about Max Williams um, as being a young option there. I think tight end is, there's some possibilities. So unfortunately, there aren't a ton of options. Again, there, there, there are people. If, if we're getting away from, you know, being gun shy about age, then I think there's wide receiver options, right? I mean, the, Kelvin Benjamin's still out there. I've never really been a big Kelvin Benjamin fan, but you know, again, in the Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers, what could he be? Michael Crabtree, um, you know, Dontrell Inman. Some of these guys have shown little flashes. Again, Demarius Thomas, I still think, is a really good wide receiver. Mike Wallace, probably not, but maybe. I think there's some options at tight end. As far as offensive line, 
again, great options if you're not afraid of age. Josh Sitton is still there. TJ Lang retired. Um, Donald Penn is real old, but that guy is just a monster. I don't think we need anyone to come in and fill in at tackle. That might be like a, we lost Brian Balaga. We need to sign somebody quick. Donald Penn's still out there. Let's go get him. It might be one of those kinds of things. I don't know. And then I think something else we need to consider is the option of uh, quarterback. I think we need to find some competition, whether it's in the draft or bringing in a veteran. And bringing in a veteran isn't going to be a problem anyway. I mean, it's not like Aaron Rodgers is going to be upset because, you know, Matt Castle isn't going to come in here and win the job. But just having somebody that knows football, that can help to be a, a coach on the team, that can help to, you know, keep things in order, that can help to be a teacher, that can help to maybe bring up Deshaun Kaiser. But also, if Deshaun Kaiser just can't do anything, who's out there that can maybe just step in and not be just the worst quarterback in the history of the world? Matt Castle's maybe a bad example. So I don't know. I, you know, It was much more exciting to hear him talk about there's more work to be done and maybe looking at offense. But to be completely honest, I think a lot of the value is still on defense. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson and Dominican Sue, even Ezekiel Ansah, even though he has injury issues, not saying I want these guys, I'm just listing off names that it's like, oh yeah, this guy's pretty solid. You know, Zach Brown at linebacker, I think would be a, a, an option to consider. Morris Claiborne and, and Brent Grimes at cornerback. Eric Berry and Trey Boston at safety. But anyways, once again, because I had to spend so much time messing around and I was on Twitter too much because I got sidetracked and then I had questions that I was answering because I can't ever remember that this is not the time to do that kind of stuff. Again, we're going to have to cut it a little bit short because I'm already five minutes past when I needed to be out of here. But it's something to consider. And again, uh, you know, maybe if we add another assignment, who is somebody that's a free agent that you like, especially offense, if there's somebody that you think would be solid to go get. Uh, you know, I know I know Jay Ajayi is still out there. I don't know if he's as good as his name, but he's still out there. But uh, anyways, let me know. Be sure to leave a rating and review. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.